I've had the pleasure of interviewing some incredible artists, and I've also been able to feature some of their work. Now I will be able to bring this work to you on a regular basis, because every other week on the Hazlitt Coffee Talk podcast, you can expect an intermezzo. In other words, some work featuring the artists that I've interviewed previously. You'll hear work by singers, songwriters, musicians, and even writers. Anything that can be heard might be featured. So stay tuned and enjoy. This is Lucia Losapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk, Intermezzo. More often than not, my intermezzos have been with musicians or singers, but this one is going to be a little different because this is a scene from a play performed by Michael Kroll, a one-man play called Scrooge. It is a different take on a very familiar story, and I realize it's not Christmas, but that doesn't matter because this is my podcast and I'll do whatever I want. I'll apologize up front for the sound quality, but this is a live performance. Marley was dead to begin with. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I'm about to tell. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were partners for I don't know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor, sole administrator, his sole mourner, and his sole friend. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name, however. There it stood years afterwards over the warehouse door, Scrooge and Marley. Now, sometimes people new to the business called Scrooge Scrooge, and other times Marley, but the answer to both names, it was all the same to him. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone was Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and as sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out a generous fire, secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, stiffened his gait, shriveled his cheek, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. He carried his own low temperature always about him. He iced his office in the dark days, and he didn't thaw at one degree at Christmas. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say, my dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to see me? No beggars implored him to bestow a trifle. No children asked him what it was at the clock. Even the blind men's dogs seemed to know him, and when they saw him coming, would tug their owners into doorways and up courts. <laughs> But what did Scrooge care? It was the very thing he liked, to edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance. Once upon a time, and of all the good days of the year on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting, foggy weather, and he could hear the people in the court outside go, wheezing up and down, beating their hands upon their breasts and stamping their feet upon the pavement stones to warm them. The city clocks had only just gone three, but it was quite dark already. The fog poured in at every chink and keyhole and was so dense without that the houses opposite were mere phantoms. 
Now, the door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep an eye upon his clock, who in a dismal little cell beyond, a sort of tank, was busy copying letters. Now, Scrooge's fire was very small, but the clock's fire was so very much smaller that it, it looked like one coal, but he couldn't replenish it. For Scrooge kept the coal box in his own office, and so surely as the clock came in to, with the shovel, the master predicted it would be necessary for them to part. Wherefore, the clock put on his comforter and tried to warm himself at the candle, in which effort, not being a man of strong imagination, he failed. <gasps> a Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. God save you. This was the voice of Scrooge's nephew, who had come upon him so quickly, it was the first intimation he had of his approach. He had so heated himself with rapid walking in the fog and the frost, this nephew of Scrooge's, that he was all in a glow. His face was ruddy and handsome, and his eyes sparkled. I say, a Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. God save you. Bah, said Scrooge. Humbug. <laughs> Christmas a humbug? Come now, Uncle, I'm sure you do not mean that. I do. Out upon Merry Christmas. But it's Christmas time anyway, for the time for finding yourself a year older, not an hour richer. If I could work my will, nephew, Every idiot who goes about with many Christmas on his lips would be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. <laughs> Uncle! Nephew! Keep Christmas in your way and let me keep it in mine. <laughs> keep it? But you do not keep it. Then let me leave it alone. Christmas indeed. Little God that has done you. Uncle, there are many things from which I have derived good, by which I have not profited. I dare say Christmas among the rest. But I've always thought of Christmas time when it comes round as a, a good time, a kind, charitable, forgiving, pleasant time. The only time I can think of in the long calendar year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people as not below them, but as fellow passengers through life. And though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good, and will continue to do me good. And I say, God bless it. The clock in the tank involuntarily applauded. <laughs> Let me hear another sound from you, said Scrooge to his clock, and you will keep your Christmas by losing your situation. And you, he said, turning to his nephew, Quite the powerful speaker, sir. I wouldn't need I'm going to Parliament. You're fool enough. Don't be cross, uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. <laughs> I'll see you in hell first. But why? They cried the nephew. Why? Why did you marry against my wishes? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love. Humbug! If there's anything more nauseating than a Merry Christmas, it is the hypocrisy of a happy marriage to some lovesick, idiotic female. Oh, good afternoon. <laughs> I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends? Good afternoon. Well, I'm very sorry, Uncle, with all of my heart to find you so resolute. We have never had a quarrel to which I have been a party to. But I shall keep my Christmas humor to the last and wish you a very Merry Christmas. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. 
The nephew left the room without an angry word notwithstanding. The clock, letting Scrooge's nephew out, had let two other people in. They were portly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, and they now stood in Scrooge's office with their hats off, they had books and papers in their hands, and they bowed to him. A Scrooge and Marley's, I believe, said the first gentleman, referring to his list. Now have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead for seven years, said Scrooge. He died, he died seven years ago this very night. We have no doubt that morality is well represented by his surviving partner, said the second gentleman, taking up his pen. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we make some slight provision for the poor and the destitute, who suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons, sir. The Union workhouses, they're still in full operation. Yes, sir, still I wish I could say they were not. The poor law on the treadmill, they're still in full vigor then. They're very busy, sir. Well, I'm very glad to hear it. But the moment I thought something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. But, sir, said the first gentleman, under the impression these places scarcely provide Christian cheer to the mind or body of the multitude, a few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of war. We choose this time because it is a time above all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. <laughs> now, what may we put you down for, sir? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wish to remain anonymous. I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I do not make myself merry at Christmas. I have no wish to make idle people merry. I have been forced to support the establishments I mentioned. They cost enough. Those who are badly off must go there. But many can't go there, sir. And many would rather die. If they would rather die, then they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. <laughs> Seeing clearly that it would be useless I love the arts and I love to talk and that's why I'm talking to local artists and if you like listening then subscribe to my podcast you can do it on this page on iTunes or anywhere you get podcasts I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk Intermezzo Intermezzo